nothing wrong with your station. We are attempting to decalcify your third eye. This is the Third Eye High Podcast. We deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. I am your host, JF Bay. I'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit. As we continue on with the book report series, I got another powerful book I want you guys to add to your libraries. Let's continue on. We're going down that literary rabbit hole, right, to to find out the truth in this true American story, right? Because your history is American history, which is world history, because you are the true American. If you go to Webster's Merriam Dictionary, 1878, the definition for American referred to the copper-colored races here before the Europeans arrived, later changed to the descendants of Europeans. So they traded places with you. But this particular book I want to add to the book report series, everyone must grab this book and put it into your library because it kind of puts into perspective this uh, civil war conflict that was taking place because they taught us in school you know the whitewashing university brainwashing institute right (laughs) which we call public education they taught us that you know yeah lincoln freed the slaves with the emancipation proclamation and all this other shit when many of us haven't actually read it you know they they read it to us in school but they never broke down the actual proclamation itself many of us you know in our 30s and 40s 50s and 60s, you know, and 70 and above, we keep uh, referring to that document and we all say, well, Lincoln freed the slaves and the Emancipation Proclamation. And inside the Emancipation Proclamation itself, they never talk about who was actually freed. In fact, the wording in the Emancipation Proclamation says, free all such persons held in bondage. What the fuck does that mean? I thought you took millions of people from Africa. Why don't they refer to the the black slaves from Africa that they had enslaved, right? They, they never speak to a particular group of people. They don't speak to a nationality. They don't speak to a race. They, they don't speak to, to an ethnic group. They just say free all such persons held in bondage. Because many of the so-called white slaves were freed after this emancipation. They were freed from their contracts of indentured servitude. And they were giving the land, they were given the land grab grants, the farming subsidies, the housing subsidies, to where they became this new middle-class white American population that sprung up after so-called slavery ended. And then they buried the whole institution of slavery itself. See, the Freedmen's Bureau, which was the organization they set up, you know, remember the 40 acres and the mule concept, right? It's supposed to give us your 40 acres and the mule, give you back your culture, your language, everything they stole, right? In fact, the, the Freedmen's Bureau helped more poor white slaves than it did so-called black slaves. In fact, the term black and white didn't exist before Bacon's Rebellion, which was... Uh, uprising a series of revolts that were started after this that you had so-called poor slaves of all complexions that were rising up against the aristocratic elite that didn't want you know their human labor to be pledged in ongoing contracts that never ended 
right? And none of this changed, right? Still today with capitalism, you're dealing with the same institution of, you know, fraudulent contracts. That's why a lot of the big companies, the, the uh, Amazons of the world, they, they frown upon, you know, people forming unions because unions, you get the ability to bargain for a fair contract. Right. So they're still, you know, running these companies like sweatshops across the across America and they just got good PR teams. But to get back to this, let's find out who actually freed the slaves. And again, this is a broad term because who were the slaves? And we're talking about humans whose labor was pledged to particular bonding companies, right? You had the Virginia Tobacco Company. These were companies that leased out human labor of all colors. Now, we're, we're, we're highlighting this particular story because in this country, you know, people are talking about the conversation of reparations and all that. And, you know, so-called black slaves and black Americans don't deserve reparations when after slavery, we just spoke about this. We fought in the Civil War to free these white slaves from their indentured servitude contracts. And then they got all the funding from the government. And basically the whites got welfare and they told the niggers farewell. You know, figure that shit out on your own. Even though our lands were confiscated because we are the true Americans of this land. We are the indigenous population that they hid. See, they had American Indian and then Native American. Two different concepts of people see the the propaganda through school and the, and the textbooks and all that had us thinking that these straight-haired mixed mongolian you know later tribes to come to the americas were the sole indigenous population on the continent and that was the fraud to then say all the other people of a melanated complexion they were brought to this continent not so my g and this particular book highlights that so what is the book i'm going over because I'm, I'm giving a nice little introduction so the book we're going over today the book report series this book i want you to add to your libraries who freed the slaves the fight over the 13th amendment by leonard l richards so this is the book we're going to go over today who freed the slaves the fight over the 13th amendment by leonard l richards powerful book because it's gonna go over a lot of stuff that was left out of this civil war conversation they didn't show it in any movies and in fact one of the 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 most uh decorated movies in this country right they received the presidential seal right the highest award you can get in this country for a film the movie that got the presidential seal was um was it B, uh, D.W. Griffin's uh, Birth of a Nation? <laughs> Birth of a Nation. And it was a silent movie, right? Birth of a Nation was a first movie of its kind. And what was the what was the, the overall theme of the movie? Birth of a Nation. They later remade it, uh, Birth of a Nation, which uh, Nate Parker made the same title. And it was his, his movie was geared around the Nat Turner Rebellion, which is powerful. But they used the same title. But... The, the original movie, uh, W.D. Uh, w. Griffin's uh, Birth of a Nation that received the presidential seal, this original movie was screened in the White House. And what was the movie about? It was about if the South had won the Civil War. 
and it shows you know the, the southerners coming back and the slavery continued and all this other shit so the, the the white house administration at this time saluted this fucking movie like yo the shot the south should have won and if the south had won we would be able to further our institution of slavery but remember we're talking about human labor they didn't give a fuck about the color this color thing was something they played on the people because the people were coming together and creating uprisings there was revolts of all races because they like yo what the fuck this you can't do this i'm a man you know and everyone understood that you were equal to another man and it had nothing to do with your race they played that shit later to make it seem like you were the only slaves in the land now what i'm saying is many of these other races they got their reparations and all this government funding and all these other grants and farming subsidies and land grab grants of 1895 etc where they gave acres and acres of land that belonged to the indigenous people our ancestors to poor whites to now prop them up in this new status that they created called white because free white person doesn't refer to skin it just referred to a property owner that had the right to vote because many of these niggas was enslaved themselves and they hide their history. In fact, a lot of these so-called Europeans, they don't know their history past the 1800s. They whole shit got whitewashed too. They became a new particular fraudulent class. And this whole thing is dealing with class. But let's get into this book because this is a powerful motherfucking build. And there was a lot of things taking place during this uh, Civil War era and Lincoln situation, but we're gonna review parts of that emancipation proclamation because all of this we're gonna free people in these slave states and all this that's not what the proclamation said in fact it excluded a lot of other states that said nigga you ain't even got to follow what we talking about in this proclamation y'all can just keep shit going as business as usual but we're gonna bounce around so now let's get into this book who freed the slaves the fight over the 13th amendment by leonard l richards And as we do in uh, the book report series fashion, right, I, I don't read the entire book, right, we'll be here for some hours, but like I go over some key chapters that stand out and give you a, an overview of the book to encourage you to add this to your library, right? And we're talking about passing this knowledge on to the babies, right? So let's start off. Let's, let's read the prelude. Uh, Wednesday, June 15th, 1864, right? James Ashley never forgot the moment. After hours of debate, uh, Skokler Colfax, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, had finally uh, gaveled the 159 uh, House members to take their seats and get ready to vote. Most of the members were waving a fan of some sort, but none of the fans did much. Heat and humidity had turned the nation's capital into a sauna. Equally, bad was the stench that emanated from Washington's back alleys, nearby swamps, and the 21 hospitals and about the city, which now housed over 20,000 wounded and dying soldiers. Worse yet was the news from the front lines. According to some reports, the Union Army has lost 7,000 men in less than 30 minutes at Cold Harbor. This was a bloody-ass civil war. He said they lost 7,000 men in 30 minutes. The commanding general, Ulysses S. Grant, 
had been deemed a fumbling butcher. Near, nearly everyone around Ashley was, in, was in, impatient, cranky, and miserable. But Ashley was especially downcast. It was his job to get Senate uh, Joint Resolution Number 16, a constitutional amendment to outlaw slavery in the United States, though the House of Representatives and he didn't have the votes. They wasn't even voting on this shit. See, all of this, uh, we're fighting for the, the South is fighting the North and the North is trying to end slavery. That's not what was taking place. This shit was about business. This is what they told us, you know, the romance and story they told us in history class, but I never believed that shit. And in fact, I, I got kicked out of all my history classes because I would do my own independent study and read books outside of school. I've been doing this shit my whole life. But I knew they was telling us his story. And I'm like, well, what about our story, right? Because I'm more of an our historian, right? I'm invested in uncovering our story. Not his story, the bullshit they told us. The need for the amendment was obvious. Of the nation's four million slaves at the outset of the war, no more than 500,000 were now free. See, pay attention. They're talking about there were four million slaves during the Civil War. Four million slaves. They're not telling you that many of these slaves were so-called white. Now, isn't it crazy that we outnumber all of the racial populations in this country, but they consider us the melanated population, the so-called minority? They're hiding something here. Who the fuck were they fighting to free at this particular time? These were these poor whites that were locked in their indentured servitude contracts. They don't want to tell you this in history. So we joined the war to help free more of their people than ours. Because many of our people were already free. See, during the census uh, recordings, they started to list a lot of the so-called free blacks as ex-slaves. Not to, to take away from our people being prisoners of war and many people's lands were confiscated and they were kidnapped into this institution of slavery and had forced indentured servitude contracts placed upon them. And these contracts never ended. And if you were contracted, your labor was contracted for uh, an extensive period of time and you had a child during that time, they made a contract with your child too. That's where that institution of chattel slavery started to be propagated. But pay attention, they're hiding their enslavement. Now, I'm not saying that, they, oh boy, they should get reparations. They already got their reparations. So where the fuck is yours? That's the conversation we're talking about. Because they don't want to really delve into this whole institution of so-called slavery. Because then we'll talk about these bonding companies, these trading companies that are now the Fortune 500 companies of today that are on the stock market. No difference that the stock of old was human stock. Same conversation here. See, then if we really talked about that, then you would talk about all these Fortune 500 companies on Wall Street that also owe reparations. These Bank of Americas, right? The, the, these insurance companies and these Chase Manhattan banks and JP Morgans and all of them also owe reparations. Do you understand the connection? Because all of them amass their wealth off the backs of our ancestors. This is why they don't want to have a real conversation about reparations. And they're kicking around punk ass figures when this entire continent belongs to your ancestors. Imagine that with interest that's why they gotta perpetrate that story that they took you from Africa so they talking about this 4 million counts of slaves 
but they're not telling you the identity of the four million slaves. It's all assumed because that's the story they push. That's why they keep showing you the slave movies to keep you locked into a particular reality. But let's get back. Of the nation's four million slaves on the outset of the war, no more than 500,000 were now free. And to his disgust, many white Americans intended to have them re-enslaved once the war was over. See what's going on? So we tricked these niggas into fighting in the Civil War to help us gain our freedom from these fraudulent indentured servitude contracts. And then the only people after the war that we keep enslaved are the Negroes. Do you see what's going on? Help fight, help, help to help fight to free these poor whites. And once they're free, we're going to enslave solely the niggas. Do you see the mindset, the mindset that was taking place in this country and why that civil war was so effective or rather it was so important? And why Birth of a Nation, the movie that depicted if the South had won the Civil War, why did that receive the presidential seal? Because that was still the mindset, the sentiment of the country. It wasn't no we, we're going to fight and everyone's equal and liberation and 13th Amendment. The fuck out of here. Our people were free well before the 13th Amendment. Salute to the prophet Noble Drew Ali. That already said that the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment is not needed for the freeing of our people. For they are already equal. Do you understand? They were misnamed. Misnomers, right? Misclassified as Negroes, Blacks, and Coloreds. And once you throw someone in a particular class, you can adopt a new identity for said class. And the more the people cling to that particular class, what happens? They make the story all that more true. This is why they don't have to have a real conversation about reparations because they know collectively our people don't really know our story. And that's why they gave us fragments of the truth with loads of the bullshit. Read that part again. To his disgust, many white Americans intended to have them re-enslaved once the war was over. The Supreme Court, moreover, was still in the hands of Chief Justice Roger B. Taney and other staunch proponents of property rights and slaves and states' rights. If they ever got the chance, they seemed certain not only to strike down much of Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, right, but to also hold that under the Constitution only the states where slavery existed had the legal power to outlaw it. See what's going on? They're playing a game of particular states because each of the states were, in fact, their own countries. And this is why all of the states have their own constitutions, right? There's two constitutions. There's the federal constitution, and each of the 50 states have their own constitutions that read identical. Six months earlier, in December 1863, when Ashley and his fellow Republicans had proposed the amendment, he had been more upbeat. And, and remember, the 13th Amendment was never properly ratified. Lincoln got a fucking bullet, and all of the particular states act as if they voted on something. But remember, when it says the original, you, you got to look up the original articles of the 13th Amendment, because it already speaks of our people being free. That was the one they were trying to hide. 
Lincoln gets a bullet and then they come out with this fraudulent ratification version of the 13th Amendment that cut out the original. Uh, there were 20 different sections in the original 13th Amendment. They scrapped it after Lincoln gets a bullet and they keep in there, you know, make slavery outlawed in, in, in uh, you know, the states. And they kept voluntary servitude, which meant if you got arrested, we could enslave you again. Now pay attention because they were perpetrating something called the Fugitive Slave Law. What was the Fugitive Slave Law? A poor white that ain't got no money that might have been a slave himself. He could see a free melanated man walking around minding his own business, might have his own plantation of himself, might have his own slaves, but they could they could accuse you for being a slave. He ain't free. That nigga's a slave. And you would have to go to court to prove that you're free. Many of them would not honor your documents. And then this person that was a slave himself could now accuse you of being a slave. And because you were this particular new status that they adopted called the Negro, the black, right? You had no way of winning in court because all of the courts were fraudulent. So now a person could kidnap a free person and put them back into an indentured servitude contract. You see how this system of slavery was really taking place? So a lot of these poor whites that many of them came here from Europe by way of the head right system. And the head right system was, you know, they emptied their jails and their prisons and their streets of all their vagabonds, you know, the homeless people, and put these niggas on white ships and shipped them to America. White slavery, right? Because you didn't come here on no ship. They did. So they would promise these criminals and bums and homeless people from Europe if you come over here and you work, you know, seven years in a denture servitude contract, by your seventh year, you would receive freedom dues and you would receive 50 acres of land. That was the head right system. So each person that came over here willingly, many of them were conned, many of them were spirited away, kidnapped. They were promised 50 acres of land at the end of their indenture servitude contract. Many of their white counterparts reneged on the contract. They would lock them in the contract for longer years. So many of these poor whites end up stuck here from England. No way to get back home. No money. And they've been in this institution of slavery. They've been in the contract themselves. So many of them started to kidnap the indigenous people of the land. The so-called Negro blacks and coloreds. So they would perpetrate a lot of these uh, instances as if, yeah, I got this nigga from Africa. Yeah, he came from Africa. He was imported. Because if you were imported into the colonies, that don't mean you were shipped as way of an actual ship you could have just been in a state from outside of the colonies in a free state and someone kidnapped you and brought you into one of the colonies see what's going on that's the way of being shipped in and if someone wrote it in a particular book and you don't know what you're reading you're gonna think that all these people came on these ships well hashtag where are the slave ships today you don't have one slave ship intact in existence in any of the museums you don't have any of the pictures but ironically all of the slave ships were destroyed allegedly by fire or sunk wait a minute if these ships were in such great condition to make thousands of trips back and forth to africa <laughs> iab it's all bullshit why don't you have any of these ships intact today why don't you have any of these actual pictures that show niggas on ships like sardines Cause that Amistad shit they showed you with niggas uh, stacked from head to foot like sardines in a can and shit. They only show you the depiction by way of a painting. Where's the actual picture? 
they, they had cameras why haven't anyone when they want to gloat and put that in their museum and shit of American history they don't have an actual picture of Africans chained up on their way to a ship it's all painted so it show you that someone uh, was contracted to paint a particular perception of this institution of slavery to throw you off of the scent of what really was taking place in this country remember I, I go into the books but I'm giving you the premise in these footnotes so when I start reading certain things shit lights up we ain't just reading to read over here because you could read but you could also have reading comprehension and that's what we talking about see you want to hide something from a nigga you put it in the book but they know that most of our people don't comprehend what we read because there were a lot of books put out that was propaganda by some black authors and many white authors when they wrote about this slavery story. But there are many authors like this author we're going over that left some breadcrumbs to get you to the real story. But if you don't know how to connect one book to the next, and this is why we're doing the book report series. We're up to like maybe 16, 17 books and all of these books connect to each other. These are different authors from different time periods, different walks of life, but truth is universal. Let's get back. Let's get back. Six months earlier in December, right, they they proposed a, a, a bill to abolish slavery, which in his mind was the root cause of the war. Was not going to be easy. It required two-thirds votes. But he had thought the Republicans in both the Senate and the House might somehow muster the necessary two-thirds majority. No longer did they have to worry about the united opposition of 15 slave states. 11 of the 15 were out of the Union, including South Carolina and Mississippi. The two with the highest percentage of slaves and Virginia, the one with the largest House delegation. So pay attention. They were fighting because the particular slave states not only had the bag, right? They had a booming fucking economy, free uh, human labor, right? And they also had the largest amount of delegations in the house. So when shit was getting passed, they had the most pull in Congress to pass things in their favor. Do you see why the, the, the North was against? It wasn't, we want to stop slavery. They was like, these niggas got more votes in the South. Because they have a, a larger population. See what's going on? So it was a fight between politics. 11 of the 15 were out of the Union, including South Carolina and Mississippi. The two with the highest percentage of slaves and Virginia, the one with the largest House delegation. In addition, the war was in its 33rd month. Hundreds of thousands of northern men had been killed on the battlefield. See, they were getting their ass kicked, and we got to encourage these Negroes to help us fight. But their whole mindset was, we're going to enslave these niggas right after they help us win. Because they're going to be the sole people that would be our indentured servants. They swapped out the poor whites and now gave them a higher status than you. See what's going on? But many of the poor whites didn't even want to fight in the war. We're going to get into that momentarily. Because you talk about acts of terrorism and all this. But what about the New York uh, draft riots? They don't talk about that. The poor whites was burning down the motherfucking country. Oh, they weren't terrorists at the time? <laughs> this is the type of shit they don't want to tell you about this particular history in this country. But it has to be 
spoken about. The baby's got to get the truth. Because this black and white thing, the card that they want to pull, and this us against them conversation every time they want to pull that, when the people collectively start to get win at the bullshit that their strings are being pulled, they play the divide and conquer card. Let's get back. Hundreds of thousands of northern men have been killed in the battlefield. The one day bloodbath in uh, Antium was now etched into the memory of every one of his Toledo const uh, constituents, as well as every member of Congress. So too was the three-day battle at Gettysburg, right? Battle of Get as Gettysburg and all that. And they make this shit seem like, you know, it's so romantic in the, the movies they do and the, the History Channel and all that. And it's like, yo, they wasn't telling you what they were really fighting over. And what was the real mindset of the people on both sides of the battlefield? If Republicans held firm, all they needed to push the amendment through the House was a handful of votes for their opponents. Either from the border slave state representatives who had remained in the Union or from free state Democrats, it was his job to get those votes. He was the bill's floor manager. Now keep in mind, the particular 13th Amendment that they were trying to get votes for that people didn't want to vote on was the original 13th Amendment which is with its 13 sections. Now, if you were to uh, write to the Library of Congress, you can go to the Library of Congress website, you can get an actual uh, certified copy of the original 13th Amendment with its 20 sections. Now, Virginia, which was the first so-called slave state, is the one of the only states that has the original 13th Amendment with its 20 sections still on record. Because remember, the 13th Amendment was never properly ratified. Meaning, after they gave Lincoln a bullet, they scrapped the 20 sections which were originally voted on and passed and gave you the fraudulent two sections that we see today. That shit talking about free the slaves and all that because that 13th Amendment didn't free nobody. Because then they would have to tell you what fucking slaves did they actually free. They freed the poor whites from their indentured servitude contracts. And that's why they wanted us to fight in a war with them. Otherwise, they wouldn't win. This is what they're hiding. Get you that certified copy of the 13th Amendment with its 20 sections. And you're going to see that it outlaws uh, the, the, the title of Esquire and all of this because these were noble titles that belonged to the Moorish inhabitants, i.e. the indigenous people of Melanated Hue. They couldn't hold titles of nobility. You wouldn't have fake lawyers over here. Remember, Lincoln was a barrister, wasn't he? Lincoln couldn't even legally become a president. See, there was a lot of fraudulent shit taking place, but remember... He became the president because he was of a Moorish bloodline. Lincoln was mixed. His mother, melanated skin, dark-skinned woman. They, they referred to Lincoln in a lot of the writings as Tawny, right? When they say Tawny, you had like a dark complexion and you had hair like wool. Lincoln had a fro. See that particular picture they show of Lincoln? That's not the real picture of Lincoln. He was very darker than what they depict him to be. But they gave up something when they showed him on the penny. He's the only president turned in the opposite direction. Oh, he turned his back on the Union. But why did they put him on a penny? Remember I told you, Webster's Merriam Dictionary, 1878. The definition for American, the copper-colored races. They put Lincoln on the penny because he is of the copper-colored races. Do you understand? And once they tried to unify the Union... They gave him a bullet and then they fraudulently ratified the 13th Amendment 
to make it seem like they freed these niggas they had from Africa when the Emancipation Proclamation doesn't mention any people by name. Why doesn't it? If the only people enslaved were blacks from Africa. Go through the book report series, the other books, they mention many of the people that were indentured servitude contracts were American born. <laughs> American born, meaning they were here before Columbus. Right. Let's get back to it. I know I'm dropping a lot of scholarship as we go, but as I said, when you go back to a lot of the earlier books in the book report series on the podcast, these pictures are going to start to snap in place and you start to see the puzzle picture of this ultimate truth that they tried to bury. Back in December, Ashley had been the first member of the House to, to propose such an amendment. Although few of his colleagues realized it, he had been toying with the idea for nearly a decade. He had made a similar proposal in September 1856 when it, did, when it didn't have a chance of passing. He was a political novice at the time, but 29 years old and known mainly for being big and burly, six feet tall and uh, starting to spread around the middle with a wild mane of curly hair and a loud resonating voice. He had just gotten established in Toledo politics. He had moved three, he had moved there three years earlier from the town of Pottsmouth in Southern Ohio largely because he had just gotten married and was in deep trouble for having slaves flee across the Ohio River. He was not yet a congressman, nor was he running for office. He was just campaigning for the Republican Party's first presidential candidate, John C. Friedman, and Richard Mott, a House member. Remember, Lincoln was a member of the Republican Party. Now, most of our people were of the Republican Party before, you know, they created the corrupt propaganda that later became, you know, both parties being bullshit. But somewhere along the lines, the people that wanted slavery to continue were the Democratic Party. So where was the switch where our people started to vote so-called Democrat? But as I said, neither party, because the Republican Party was first called the Free Soil Party, and it was uh, pandering to property owners. And you had property owners that were free colors. That's all a fake status, but we talking about free Americans, the true Americans. They changed the Free Soil Party to the Republican Party. But remember, this was the Republic. But as Benjamin Franklin says, you have a Republic if you can keep it. And that's what the Civil War was about. It was about overthrowing the Republic to create this fraudulent democracy. And now that mythos is played out between this Repub uh, Republican and Democratic, you know, beef that they both have. But they're both fucking criminals on both sides of the aisle because they overthrew the original Congress. Remember the Senadia, right? They overthrew the original Congress. After Lincoln got a bullet, they revamped the entire system. They fraudulently ratified the 13th Amendment when none of the states actually voted on that shit. But the original 13th Amendment with the 20 sections already outlawed slavery. But they were talking about this slavery of all races. See, they got to make it seem like we just talking about freeing black people. But the emancipation doesn't mention anybody black, doesn't mention anybody colored, doesn't mention anybody from Africa. Why doesn't it? Why does the emancipation say free all such persons held in bondage? Because in the Civil War, we fought to free poor 
white slaves. They used us as pawns to get them their freedom and then they got amnesia when we keep talking about our freedom. Separate but not equal. Still to this day. Man, this is a powerful, powerful book. We're going to continue on. We're going to continue on. There we go. Ashley's goal was clear. The 1850 census from which Ashley and most Republicans drew their numbers had indicated that just a few Southern families had the lion's share of the South's wealth. See what's going on? A few Southern families had the lion's share of the South's wealth. So what are they exposing here? They're exposing the biggest fucking lie ever told in this country where you look at every so-called pale skinned person that you refer to as white, so-called white, and you say, oh, this nigga owned my, my ancestors. This not so. Less than 1% of these poor whites actually had money to buy a slave of any race. They were slaves themselves. This is what they're hiding. They're talking about a few so-called white families, the 1% that had all of the wealth during this slavery institution, that had the large plantations with so-called black and white slaves. This is what they're protecting. It wasn't no... The average so-called white man you look on the street, man, that nigga was working at the sugar plantations in Barbados, the sugar plantations in Jamaica. They're not going to tell you that grandparents were indentured servants, i.e. contracted slaves. They changed their identity. Let's read that again. Ashley's goal was clear. The 1850 census from which Ashley and most Republicans drew their numbers had indicated that just a few Southern families had the lion's share of the Southern's wealth. Especially Poten were the truly big slaveholder families with over 100 slaves. There were 105 such family heads in Virginia. So 105 families had the largest plantations that had minimum of 100 slaves. We're talking about only 105 families in the entire state of Virginia, which was the first state of slavery. They have recorded in their records in Virginia, the first uh, colony that started off the slavery institution, that there was only recorded some 20 Africans from Africa that were on a ship called the White Lion. Where the fuck are these millions of Africans from Africa? It's all cap. They enslaved the indigenous population here that they previously called the American Indian. Now, remember, Columbus, oh, he was going to India, so he called the people Indian. That was all bullshit. He was contracted by Queen, uh, Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand to go to the Americas because they were trying to find gold. Now, they referred to the people as Indians because they called them the indigo people, the people of many shades. But when he came here, he said, these people look just like the Moorish women of Spain. Oh, shit. So if they were talking about the same people that left Spain, which was our land loose, ruled by the Moors 800 years, and the empires would be the Americas. See what's going on here? And how do you hide an empire? You change the name of the people that you're fighting with. You change their geographical location. You change where they're from. And you can create a whole new history. You can tell his story. Continuing on, there were 105 such family heads in Virginia, 181 in Georgia, 279 in Mississippi, 
312 in Alabama, 363 in South Carolina, and 460 in Louisiana. See what's going on? That These were the people, the, the elite families that ran the whole institution of slavery. It wasn't the entire so-called white population. Go back to the book report series. When I go over the volume one and volume two books, the invention of the white race, the invention of the white race. This was an idea they created. Powerful shit. I'll read that part again. There were 105 such family heads in Virginia, 181 in Georgia, 279 in Mississippi, 312 in Alabama, 363 in South Carolina, and 460 in Louisiana. These were the, the, the people that ran the entire institution. It wasn't the entire so-called white population. That shit's all cat. These so-called whites were motherfucking slaves themselves, and they were freed when our people were tricked into fighting the Civil War to help free them. That's why Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation says, free all such persons held in bondage, because it freed the poor white slaves from their indentured servitude contracts. And their whole job was... Once we get these niggas to help fight, help us fight to win the union, we're going to enslave them again. And that's why they were praising the movie that got the presidential seal, Birth of a Nation, which depicted if the South had won the war. Because that was their mindset. And they still never got off that even still to this day. And that's what this institution of racism that we're still talking about, that nobody seems to know what the fuck we're talking about. Agreed upon idea. That's what we're talking about. To treat one uh, class inferior over the other so you can reign and rule over all of the classes. Continue. With respect to land holdings, there were 371 family heads in Louisiana with more than 1,000 acres. So you had 371 families. These were the elite so-called white family. See, there's a difference between white, you know, we're going to make you part of the white white race, and then white, white. White, white is an idea of real fucking money, generational wealth. See, the average white hillbilly you see on the street, redneck nigga that's talking racism, he's not white, white. He don't have generational wealth. He got land grab grant money. He got farming subsidy money. He got handouts from the government money and became white. Now, this elite 1% we're talking about, that's white, white. That's generational wealth. And these were the few families that had thousands of acres. And they were the only people compensated after slavery ended. They got compensated $300 a head per slave. Pay attention. Even the, the slaves that, that uh, ran out of, ran from the plantation to go fight for the North, the Union Army compensated the, the slave master whose slave is now fighting on the side to liberate himself. The slave master was compensated $300 because his former slave is now fighting against him in the war. They, they, make, they make it seem like all of this shit was, you know, oh man, we want to liberate the people. When, nope, they were still keeping it as an economy. In fact, a lot of the states were still practicing slavery as the Civil War was going on. Well, well after that Emancipation Proclamation, they didn't give a fuck about it. Even after slavery ended, you had to enforce that shit with the military. Remember the kids that just were trying to segregate or, in, or integrate into schools? The kids had to be escorted to school with the military. You had Jerry Jones. Remember the sports figure, Jerry Jones? 
You had him in the crowd as a young kid. Niggers, get away from our school. This was the mindset of these crackers. So we say that to say this. After slavery ended, the, the sentiment of the country was still like, man, we not going by none of that. And in fact, the poor whites now got a new identity. They never got over it. And they just said, give them niggas the ill treatment that we just came from. Make them niggas the perpetual slaves because we were previously enslaved also alongside them. So we forget their plight when we were just knee deep in the shit with them. We got a status higher than them and we're going to ignore the injustices they keep trying to point out. They know why you fucking marching, but why are you still marching with nowhere to go? We got to get our conversation correct. They damn sure owe reparations, but the magnitude in which they owe, you got to get yourself in the know of what's really going on. Not no fucking punk ass check, because I think their whole little stem is going to be in July once they make this Fed now system where all of the money system is now of, of a digital currency. They're going to try to offer our people a digital ledger reparations by way of digital currency, kind of like a Bitcoin reparation, if you will. But they owe you more than the finances. They owe you the fucking land itself. And we're going to get that. We're going to get what's due our ancestors with interest. But we all collectively have to come to the table with the same understanding. We wasn't people kidnapped from Africa. They didn't steal you from the land. They stole the land from you. Let's continue here. There were 105 such family heads in Virginia. 181 in Georgia. 279 in Mississippi. 312 in Alabama. 300 and that's it. In the entire state of Alabama. It wasn't the whole poor population of whites that owned your people. Fuck out of here. 312 elite families that ran the entire institution of slavery in the entire state. 363 in South Carolina, 460 in Louisiana. With respect to land holdings, there were 371 family heads in Louisiana with more than 1,000 acres, 481 in Mississippi, 482 in South Carolina, 641 in Virginia, 696 in Alabama, and 902 elite white families in Georgia. In Ashley's view, virtually all these wealth holders were rebels. The Congress should go after all of their assets, strip them of their slaves, strip them of their land, strip them of their right to hold office. Half-hearted measures, he contended, would lead only to half-hearted results. Taking away a slave's barren, a slave barren slaves undoubtedly would hobble him, but it would, it wouldn't destroy him. With his vast land holdings, he would soon be back in power, right? Because even if you, you know, freed all the slaves on a particular plantation, you still had people that needed work. So you had these landowners that still had acres and acres of land that would do what? Create fraudulent contracts, lock you into a contract that seemed uh, legitimate until it was time for you to get compensated. And then the minute you would try to be compensated, right, you could be a free person that wasn't a slave and you worked in this indentured servitude contract. And then after the contract, they didn't honor it or didn't pay you your money. They could say you ran away or you broke the contract. And this is what they would do, you know, and they would get the courts to side with them and shit like that. They would pay off the judges. So not taking, you know, some freeing all the slaves wouldn't outlaw these people that amassed all this wealth. 
you had to attack their wealth itself. So why were people fighting on both sides of the war while these elite families still were in power and still had all their wealth and got compensated for all of their slaves that they lost? Make this shit make sense. These elite families of today become the Fortune 500 companies that we see now today. The Warren Buffett of the world. Do you get what the fuck took place? With the vast land holdings, he would soon be back in power. And with the right to hold office, he would not only have an economic power, but also political power, right? He could buy them votes. And with the end of the three-fifths clause, the clause in the Constitution that counted slaves as only three-fifths of a free person, when it came to tabulating seats in Congress and electoral votes, the South would have more power than ever before. Do you see why they were fighting in the war? This shit was about who had more power in Congress. Now remember, the three-fifths law that they classified so-called black people as three-fifths of a human, it wasn't that you were less than a man. It was a large population of you in these particular slave states and you had more votes. So they had to chop down the population by making a vote a third of a vote, three-fifths of a vote. So even still to this day, they don't count our votes fully as a people. It's all about popular opinion, right? They, they just look at our people as a popular opinion vote. If I could just pander to the niggas, you know, go, go in the neighborhood and pull some hot sauce out my bag and, and play the saxophone and shit like that, I could keep the large population that think they're the minority under my thumb. I.e., why the Democrats still pander to our people? Why you got the Zoom call fucking president to say shit like, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. He's talking about a status. I'm going to lock you niggas into the lowest status of the land. But remember, scientifically, nobody has motherfucking black skin. Scientifically, nobody has white skin. We're talking about legal statuses. Now remember, on the census records, you have the right to self-identify. But if I give you a fraudulent identity that you keep adopting, then whatever happens to said ethnic group, it's all fair game. When Ashley made this proposal in December of 1861, everyone on his committee told him it was much too radical ever to get though to get through Congress. See, the so-called slave owners were paying off Congress. They were buying votes. So many of the, the, the people in Congress, they had slaves themselves. So why would they vote for some shit to say we're going to take all the wealth from the aristocratic elite that run all the, the systems of slavery? Why are we going to do that? They, they fund our campaigns. Did, did you see what's going on? It's all about the bag. Even still to this day, it's all about the bag. All of the members in Congress are multimillionaires. While the fucking country is starving, dealing with inflation, how the fuck are your elected officials multimillionaires? They got vast stock options that made millions of dollars during the, the, the COVID vaccine push. So they push a vaccine on the people and they don't tell you that they're getting proceeds from the motherfucking drug companies that make the vaccines. Bill Gates himself made $500 million off the vaccines. And you got people still wearing masks on their face three fucking years later and you haven't come to your senses. <laughs> this shit is all about a bag. But let's get back. He knew that. But he also knew that there were men in Congress who agreed with him, including four of the seven men of his committee, 
several dozen in the House, maybe half a dozen in the Senate, and even some notables such as Representatives Thaddeus Stevens of Pennsylvania and Senator Bob Wade of Ohio. The trouble with the opposition, it was formidable. Not only did it include the peace, Democrats, men who seemingly wanted peace at any price, men who Ashley regarded as traitors. See, he was calling the Democrats traitors. But also Don Carlos uh, Buell and General Henry Halleck, men who were leading the nation's troops. Also certain to oppose him were the border state unionists, especially the Kentuckians and most important of all, Abraham Lincoln. Against, see, what did he just say? They keep saying Lincoln freed the slaves. Lincoln w w was in bed with a lot of the aristocratic elite that ran the plantations. They funded these niggas' campaigns on both sides. So they, they couldn't say, hey, hey, man, we're we going to stop this institution when they like, yo, my nigga, this is my property. These contracts that I have with these humans of all races, this is my property. So you're going to enforce my contract or you're going to try to impede my contract. Now, you either my friend or you my op. And many of them that were getting uh, campaign contribution dollars from these aristocratic elite slave property owners, plantation owners, they didn't want to ruffle no feathers. Lincoln himself included. This is why when you read the Emancipation Proclamation, it talks about slate. It talks about states that were excluded from the pro proclamation. What am I talking about? Wait a minute. So in school, they said. This Emancipation Proclamation freed all the slaves in the land. And you keep thinking niggas from Africa. Big cat. But no one reads the part in the Emancipation Proclamation where it says these list of states are excluded from the proclamation, which means y'all can keep slavery going. This shit don't apply to you. Hmm. They never read that to you in school. You never heard that. Okay, let's go over that. Let's go over that for a second, shall we? See... It's crazy that that document is there and, 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 and myself reading it today, I'm like, yo, why didn't they highlight this shit when we was in school? It's like they glanced over it and we bought into the propaganda like, yeah, they freed all the black niggas from Africa and we the ex-slaves they talking about in the 13th Amendment when the Emancipation Proclamation doesn't mention a colored person, doesn't mention a Negro, doesn't mention an African. It says all such persons held in bondage because they were talking about white slaves. But 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 let's look at this for a second, right? Because because remember, I'm, I'm qualifying with the scholarship, right? It's time for us to get out of the the land of not knowing and step into the land of we know, right? It's time to know some shit now, not not assuming and arguing about what we've been told. It's it's what you can prove. It's it's what you can really understand and and understand. So now the Emancipation Proclamation did not apply to enslaved people in the border states of Missouri. Kentucky, Delaware, and Maryland, and which had not joined the Confederacy. Lincoln exempted the border states from the proclamation because he didn't want to tempt them into joining the Confederacy. See what's going on? They don't talk about that. In fact, Maryland, a lot of my family are from Maryland. In fact, my great-great-uncle, William Brown, founded a town in Maryland called Brownstown, named after my family. This town was fraudulently confiscated during this, after this Civil War bullshit, town was stolen from my people. Now, 1868, he purchased an entire town 
called Brownstown. Now, if he was a slave himself, where the fuck did he get money to buy an entire town? Not a shack, not a house. I come from wealth. And many of our families come from wealth also. So now, his land was confiscated by the government and uh, declared as eminent domain. Where they can make it a public park and take your whole fucking uh, land from your people and make it a public landmark or a, a, a fucking public park or a highway. And that's what they did with many of our people's lands. Because they classified you as a nigga came, coming from Africa. You can't have land here if you were a slave brought here. See the, 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 see the lie that they've been telling? So they could not only take your identity, they could take the land from you. They owe you well more than motherfucking 40 acres in a mule. Big facts. Because the proclamation was a temporary war measure. See what's going on? They got you thinking that this proclamation was something that everybody agreed upon. This was a temporary war measure. It later had to be codified into law with the 13th Amendment to the Constitution. Congress officially outlawed slavery when it passed the 13th Amendment in January 1865. But remember... They're talking about two different 13th Amendments. Lincoln got a bullet and they hid the original 13th Amendment that they voted on unanimously with 20 sections. And then they gave you the fraudulent one that was never properly ratified with only two sections. Highlighting we're going to free the so-called Negroes and then the 14th Amendment made you a so-called citizen when all that shit was cap. Because if you were a property owner, you were already a citizen. Many of our people are already in the government. They ousted them during the Reconstruction Era and reclassified them. Go back to the 14 presidents before George Washington that were all melanated. The John Hansons of the world. Go back. They're hiding something here. Go back to the Continental Congress where the 14 presidents were all melanated men with dark skin. Go back to what they're hiding in this country. As we continue on with the book report series. Now, I only went into the prelude of the book. I haven't even gotten into the chapters and it's so deep. But I've done so much research that I could read two or three sentences and shit starts to light up. And that's how I can c connect the dots with my footnotes and give you this extensive commentary, right? We're not just doing a book report, right? We're, we're diving deep into the mindset of the writers so you can get the context in which they're writing. We talking about comprehension on this side, right? You want to hide something from a nigga, you put it in the book. Because if you don't know how to comprehend, you don't know where to look. And this is why this podcast is powerful. We're going to teach our babies to learn different. Because their thought patterns are out of this world. But if we're not challenging them and we're keeping them on an on a algorithm loop of the ego, they're going to eat up all this slave, slave story movie bullshit too. Not on my watch. So when we get to part two, we're going to dive deeper into this book, Who Freed the Slaves? The Fight Over the 13th Amendment by Leonard L. Roberts. This is the Third Eye High Podcast. I am your host, J.F. Bay. And we deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. So let's get into this. We're going to take a break. You know, roll you up something, pour you up something, you know, take your herbs, roll your herbs, pour you some sea moss, whatever you got to do to get right, get your pen and your pad. We're going to get to it. We are dealing with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. Always remember to keep your third eye high. Let's take a break, get a message from our sponsors, and we'll be right back into it with part two of the Book Report series 
Who Freed the Slaves? The Fight Over the 13th Amendment by Leonard L. Richards. This is the Third Eye High podcast. We deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. I'm just I'm your host, JF Bay. I'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit. So let's get back into it. Part two of the book report series, right? We're going over a phenomenal book, right? Who Freed the Slaves? The Fight Over the 13th Amendment by Leonard L. Roberts. Let's get into this. Let's get into this. Two years later, in December of 1863, Ashley thought it was indeed necessary to strike a death blow against slavery. He also thought it was possible to get a few pieces of the 1861 package into law. So just after the House opened for its winter session, he introduced two measures. One was a Reconstruction Bill that followed, at least at first glance, what Lincoln had called for in his annual message. Like Lincoln, Ashley proposed that a succeeded state be set back into the Union, when only 10% of its 1860 voters took an oath of loyalty. Had he suddenly become a moderate, a conservative? Not quite. To Lincoln's uh, famous 10% plan, Ashley added two provisions. One would take away the right to vote and to hold office from all those who had fought against the Union or held an office in a rebel state. You know they ain't passing that shit because then it would it would deem all of these uh, aristocratic elite that ran the institution of slavery, it would deem them powerless, indefinitely. They would have no power in the Senate, no, no power in Congress, and we would have a different government today. Hmm, they can't have that. See, they were fighting for more than this just slavery shit. It was... Uh, a balance of power. That was a significant chunk of the population. The other would give the right to vote to all black males. See, they can't have that. See, even still to this day, and we're not so-called black males, but if you're classified someone as black, now you're you're locked into these uh, privileges, right? Because if you're free, you got all your unalienable rights. But if you're a ward of the state, you got privileges. That you might throw a tantrum and have to march in the streets and scream that your life matters. Treat a civil, that kind of shit. When if you're equal, you don't see the Chinaman in the street talking about his life matter. Yellow lives matter. You, you don't see the Irish man in the street talking about Irish lives matter. Why is that? Because all of these other races have their stack, their status intact. And the indigenous population that outnumber everyone else on the damn continent still think they're from somewhere else by way of propaganda in these push slave movies. The other would give them the right to vote to all black male adults. That was even a bigger chunk of the population. See? How do we outnumber the so-called white population here and we were brought on ships when the white population was brought on ships? It's documented. Check out the book White Cargo 
earlier in the book report series. The other would give the right to vote to all adult black males. That was even a bigger chunk of the population, especially in South Carolina and Mississippi. See, they couldn't have that. You got free people now have political power. They can't have that because then you would overthrow a corrupt government and institute a government that's for the people. The other measure that Ashley proposed that December was the constitutional amendment that outlawed slavery. A few days later, Representative uh, James F. Wilson of Ohio made a similar proposal. The wording differed, but the intent was the same. The Constitution had to be amended. Contended Wilson not only to eradicate slavery, but also to stop slaveholders and their supporters from launching a program of re-enslavement once the war was over. Bingo. The original 13th Amendment that they voted on with its 20 sections talks about those holding titles of nobility. It was attacking this 1% of the aristocratic elite that benefited from slavery that would keep their wealth even after slavery ended. This is why Lincoln got a bullet and they had to ratify fraudulently the 13th Amendment. That made it look like, see, this is what we were fighting for, for slavery. What the fuck happened to the other 20 sections? Because it speaks about those holding title of nobility. These so-called elite families that really ran the institution of slavery. They giving up the keys and this shit. Man, the Constitution had to be amended, contended Wilson, not only to eradicate slavery, but also to stop slaveholders and their supporters from launching a program of re-enslavement once the war was over. And guess what? Once they killed Lincoln, he got a bullet. They fraudulently implemented the 13th Amendment with the two sections. They kept slavery going. Because what did they do? All they do? All they did was create the drug wars. They just kept the black codes going on and further policed our people, further enslaved our people by way of now voluntary servitude because that was the new 13th Amendment they created, the fraud. We just lock these niggas up. Let's create projects. We don't give them their land back. We give them public housing called projects, i.e. there are our projects. And we just throw drugs in the projects, some guns, a bunch of other things in the equation, and we could always predict the outcome. And this is what's taking place today in this country. What was the fucking drug laws, the Rockefeller drug laws and the Reagan era and all all of that shit was administration after administration to keep slavery going by way of, we're going to call it the project problem, the ghetto problem, the Negro problem, the war on drugs problem. When it all was just a way of, we could target an entire population and we can enslave majority of them because you got brothers melanated so-called black and brown that populate all of these private prisons that still run an institution of slavery it's still a it's a penal plantation now right because you got brothers working for 30 cents a fucking month and shit making furniture and shit they got to making all types of industry so nothing changed they took the plantation to the prison see what's going on so What they were trying to stop with the original 13th Amendment 
They killed Lincoln, gave him a bullet, and act like they kept the message going, yeah, we got victory. Remember, that 13th Amendment they keep referring to, that don't apply to our people. Because the original 13th Amendment they voted on with the 20 sections restored everything to our people. And it exposed the ones who took it. Get this book in your library. Because this book is going to help us fine-tune this conversation for reparations. Because we're talking about global reparations. You got nations around the globe that owe my ancestors, that owe your ancestors. Fuck that punk-ass check they trying to offer to niggas in California. California was a free state. It's a reason they're starting that reparations conversation in California. Because if we just get these niggas enticed with a fake-ass stimulus check, these niggas will take a couple hundred thousand and forget about their vast estate. Their global inheritance. Nah, my nigga. You owe my ancestors way more than that 40 acres and that mule. Big fucking facts. And once the babies get the truth of this, they're going to know what their real agenda is. They're going to know what their real oppressor is, who their real oppressor is, and who's instituting their oppression. And stop running around here looking at each other as their ops. This institution that built slavery is your real op, my nigga. But you ain't a nigga, because a nigga is someone ignorant of its own identity. Where he came from and why was cre he created. But once you have knowledge of self, you become God again. God can't be a nigga. Overstand that. And we fought in the Civil War to free these white niggas. Overstand that. Getting back to this. Getting back to this. The other measure that Ashley proposed that December was the constitutional amendment that outlawed slavery. A few, a few days later, Representative uh, James F. Wilson of Iowa made a similar proposal. The wording differed, but that, in, that was the, the same intent. The Constitution had to be amended, contended Wilson, not only to eradicate slavery, but also to stop slaveholders and their supporters from launching a program of re-enslavement once the war was over. Then several weeks later, Senator John uh, Henderson of Missouri and Senator Charles Sumner of Massachusetts introduced similar amendments. Sumner's was the more radical. The Massachusetts uh, senator not only wanted to end slavery, he also wanted to end racial inequality. See, that was the key. You could end an institution of slavery, but if you're still treating one group of people better over the other, the institution now gets a new name, right? Because many of the people that were so-called free after slavery, they still had to work. So now they were still locked into contracts that weren't fair. And that's what the whole institution of slavery was. Because many of the people uh, willingly entered into legal contracts that had an expiration date. That's why you had the 12 years of slave. That was talking about people that contracted their labor. And after the 12 years, they were to be compensated freedom dues and acres of land. This never happened. The contracts were locked into perpetually. So the minute the person raised hell, hey, I never got paid for my seven years working as an apprentice for your bonding company. Oh, nigga, you going to run away? Because many of the poor whites also ran away from contracts that weren't honored. And then the federal government made it a law, the Fugitive Slave Law Act, 
that even if you ran away because you didn't be didn't get paid, you didn't get compensated for your fraudulent contract, they would lock you into a contract for a longer period of time. This is what's, what's taking place. You ever heard of sharecropping? So many of our people that were free after slavery, they were still forced to work for these ex-plantation owners for the same fraudulent contracts that took place during slavery. Nothing fucking changed after the war because they never addressed the racial inequality. They created a white status. They propped one group of people that were also enslaved above another and kept the institution of slavery going for everyone. But it was just a measure of how much you dealt with. If I feel like I'm a little bit freed than the person next to me, I don't see that they're fighting for their freedom. Or I don't see why they should want to fight for their freedom. And that's this whole concept of so-called white privilege that's pushed around. There's no fucking such thing as a middle class. My nigga, there's the haves and the have-nots. Everything else is the illusion. The Massachusetts senator not only wanted to end slavery, he also wanted to end racial inequality. The Senate, the Senate Judiciary Committee then took charge. They ignored Sumner's cry for racial justice and worked out the bill's final language. The wording was clear and simple. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. See what's going on? They're arguing over this new 13th Amendment that they would push off as the fraud. Do you see what took place? Do you see why Lincoln got a fucking bullet? The, the, the so-called Lee Harvey, I don't know, John Wilkes Booth, the, the so-called lone gunman, right? It's always a lone gunman. My nigga, you don't body the president and, and people aren't in on the motherfucking conspiracy. That's the inception of the conspiracy, right? When JFK got a bullet, the magical bullet, when they said somebody in the car shot that nigga from the back of the head. This is the real story. Right. So a lot of this shit, then Robert Kennedy, all Bobby Kennedy, all of them get a bullet. None of this stuff is coincidental. So Lincoln had to get a bullet because they would be able to. A lot of wars going on and everybody, what are we, what are we fighting for? All of that would get blurred in the lines and then they could swap out this 13th Amendment. With two sections, but it, the one they voted on which was really passed was the 13th Amendment with its 20 sections. But it was ousting those that amassed their wealth from the institution of slavery. This new 13th Amendment with the two sections, it hid the identity of who the fuck actually owned slaves. See what's taking place? They, 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 they created the motherfucking 52 fake out. And then they kept in a way to... We gonna so-called act like we freed these niggas. They was the only people we freed, the black slaves, but they don't say none of that shit in the Emancipation Proclamation. And we would further our institution of slavery and amass more wealth off of these healthy workers that we know we could still keep squeezing the life out of them. Generationally. And all we gotta do is now create the drug laws. See what's going on? Because now once we lock you up, we still can perpetrate slavery because now the prisons are all, all privatized. See what's taking place? <laughs> so now the same slave owners that own plantations, they could now just take stock and privately own prisons and still have 
their slave population. <laughs> you see what happened? I'm encouraging everyone listening to the sound of my voice. Go to the Congress website. You can it costs you a few bucks. Get you a certified copy of the 13th Amendment with its original 20 sections. From the state of Virginia, which was the first state that started slavery. That's the only state that still has it on the record. There's other states that have it, but you got to ask yourself if there was original 13th Amendment with 20 sections and nobody legally collectively voted on this new one that they swapped out. Why was it swapped out? Then you got to read the 20 sections in the 13th Amendment to find out because it was ousting the people that amassed their wealth off the institution of slavery. This, this 13th one, this new one they perpetrated, that shit didn't free nobody. It hid the institution of slavery so they could keep it going because that was the sentiment. After we fight in this war, they trick our people to fight in the Civil War to free these poor whites from their indentured servitude contracts. And then now they become this white population that got all this wealth. And you keep thinking that all these people aren't your people when they wasn't part of that 1%. Still to this day they're not a part of that 1% Why do they have the term white trash? Why do they have the term cracker? Why do they have the term sand dweller? Hillbilly Because all of these are tears of so called white And ain't none of them niggas white white We talking about the ones that really got the bag That really run this shit All these other crackers you see This fake racism They're peasants They don't apply to this conversation as I said, our argument is geared around this 13th Amendment because in that 13th Amendment with its original 20 sections, it refers to not being able to hold title of nobility. It refers to those that are property owners that are considered the actual citizens. Now, if you take the land from the indigenous people, they now become second class citizens. They become foreigners, as Martin Luther King said, and he got a bullet. The Negro finds himself in exile in his own land. He ain't say niggas from Africa. He said the Negro finds himself in exile in his own land. They were saying the same thing. What did Malcolm X say? El Haj Malik El Shabazz. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. Plymouth, one of the first settlements, the colonies. He said our people were here before that shit. So if you were here before the institution of slavery... You couldn't have came from Africa. Do you understand? And I'm not separating you because that's our cousins on the other side of the water. The Mississippi River connects to the Nile River. We were going back and forth thousands of years doing trade with our cousins on the side of the other continents. So I'm not separating us. But I'm telling you this is your land. And if you don't claim it, they're going to keep giving you pennies. Because you keep thinking you need a stimulus and you a foreigner and you need a handout. This ain't no fucking handout. This a hand back. Give back what you stole, my nigga. That's what we want. That's what we talking about. And we ain't talking about nothing else but this. And this is what our people need to unify against. We need to unify with the truth. Now, regardless of what schools of thought and what ideology you subscribe to. Moorish, Hebrew. FBA, etc. We're all the same people, and this land belongs to us. We all got to get our story right because this reparations conversation is coming around. They got FBA now listed on the new census records because they hear 
our people talking, but they're going to always have a few niggas they could pay off to keep us arguing. See, they fear us talking and they cheer when they see us arguing. We got to stop arguing and we got to all come to one consensus. We're talking about reparations. We ain't talking about no 40 acres in a mule And we ain't talking about no punk ass check They trying to give niggas in California Nah my nigga Continent belongs to me Continent belongs to we You hear me Man I know I'm going off on a tangent here But like It's, it's all passion right And I'm not even, even that much in the book You know what I'm saying I could read a chapter from this book And the whole shit's gonna light up But I'll continue on Man, this is crazy. So this is where they created this fraudulent 13th Amendment. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States. And remember, they had the Fugitive Slave Act. The Fugitive Slave Act was a free-for-all for these poor whites. Now let's say you're a poor white, you got 50 acres of land, but you don't got no money for no slaves. So you just go to a, a, a state that doesn't have slavery and you start kidnapping people. This is what was taking place. You had the Fugitive Slave Law, which means the federal government would pay you a bounty to fucking kidnap people that were free. But all you had to do was accuse them of being a slave. How would they prove it? The courts were corrupt. Do you see what took place? This is what they don't want to talk about in this country. Because then you would have to look at all of the villains, all of the players. And it starts with members of Congress they still on their villain shit today even right now 196 members of Congress all benefited from the FTX collapse the cryptocurrency uh, exchange that collapsed that lost billions of dollars for the American people and your politicians got the money in their pocket ain't nobody ousting them why are your members of Congress multi-millionaires what the fuck did they do to get all this money See, we don't want to have that conversation. We want to just say Trump's corrupt. Come on, my nigga. <laughs> you want to make him the villain of Gotham so bad. You want to make him the Joker. Nah, man. If you look at all the Batman movies, the Joker wasn't really a bad guy, man. Because <laughs> he really was ousting a lot of the corruption that was around him. He was saying, y'all niggas is baby corrupt. I'm going to show y'all what corruption is really about. But it's a lot of game in those Batman movies. But let's get back. On April, April 8th, 1864, the committee's wording came before the Senate for a final vote. Although a few empty seats could be found in the men's gallery, the women's gallery was packed, mainly by church women who had organized a massive petition drive calling on Congress to abolish slavery. See, many of the women wanted to abolish slavery. Why? Because here's the thing, many of the women were being enslaved, slave uh, sex trafficking. Let's pay attention to this. If you were a poor white and you raped a white woman, black woman, any woman, if you raped a woman, you could not only put her in your contract where she's your slave, you would put her child in your contract as a slave too. See what was taking place? And it wasn't, we're going to rape the woman so we can mix the races. Nah, buddy, that ain't had nothing. This was all about contracts. But many of the women were 
were fighting to abolish slavery because they were being enslaved. And remember, even the so-called white woman, she didn't have the right to vote until damn near the civil rights era. That's his mama. That's his wife. That's his daughter. So they wasn't even equal to him. Did you see the mindset of this so-called white man? Because he was so inferior. He knew that he he got all his wealth, his wealth ill-begottenly. He knew it. And he was looking over his motherfucking shoulders. This going to be the minute where somebody uprise against me. His own woman wasn't equal to him. This is a mindset. Although a few empty seats could be found in the men's gallery, the women's gallery was packed, mainly by church women who had organized a massive petition drive calling on Congress to abolish slavery. Congress, for the most part, had ignored their hard work. But to the woman's delight, 38 senators now voted for the amendment, six against giving the proposed amendment, eight voters more than what was needed to meet the two-third requirements. See, they perpetrated this fraudulent 13th Amendment off by pandering to so-called poor white women, too. See, nobody really paid attention to, we're signing off on the 13th Amendment. But which one? Which one did you sign off on? All 30 Republicans in attendance voted A. The no votes came from two free state Democrats, Thomas A. Hendricks of Indiana and James McDougal of California, and four slave state senators, Garrett Davis and Lazarus W. Powell of Kentucky and George R. Riddle and Willard Salisbury of Delaware. Especially irate was Salisbury, a strong proponent of re-enslavement. He made sure that the women knew that he regarded them with contempt. See, this, this, this congressman wanted to re-enslave these poor white women. See, they're not telling you they just throw this blanket statement of slavery and you keep thinking we talk about black people. Nope. We talk about an industry. A strong proponent of re-enslavement, he made sure that the women knew that he regarded them with contempt. In a booming voice, he told them on leaving the Senate floor that all was lost and that there was no longer any chance of ever restoring the 11 Confederate states to the Union. Now, nine weeks later, the measure before the House, it was floor manager James Ashley expected the worst. He kept a close count, and as the members voted, he realized that he was well short of the required two-thirds. On the 80, 80th Republicans, of the 80th Republicans, of the 80 Republicans who were in attendance, 79 eventually cast A votes, and one abstained. Of the 17 slave state representatives in attendance, 11 voted A and 6 nay. But of the 62 free state Democrats, only 4 voted for the amendment, while 58 voted nay. See what's going on? Only 4 of them voted for the amendment, 50 of them said, 58 said no, meaning they never properly voted for this new 13th amendment. They already voted on the 13th Amendment with its 20 sections. So why are they perpetrating today the 13th Amendment with only two sections? That's why Lincoln got the bullet. We got to get rid of the sitting motherfucking president so we can swap this whole thing out. And while the war is going on and all this other stuff. Hmm. 
Of the 17 slave state representatives in attendance, 11 voted nay and six, 11 voted a and six nay. But of the 62 free state Democrats, only four voted for the amendment, while 58 voted no. As a result, the final votes were going to the 90 to uh, to be 94 to 64. That was 11 shy of the necessary two thirds majority. See what's going on? They never properly voted on this new 13th Amendment with two sections. This is the biggest fucking fraud in the history of this country. The outcome was even worse than Ashley anticipated. Educated in the political school of Jefferson, he later recalled, I was absolutely amazed by the solid Democratic vote against the amendment on the 15th of June. To me, it looked like it was a golden hour had come the golden hour had come when the Democratic Party could without apology and without regret emancipate itself from the fatal dogmas of Calhoun and reaffirm the doctrines of, De of Jefferson. It had always seemed to me that the great men in the Democratic Party had shown a broader spirit in favor of human liberty than their political opponents. And until the, the domination of Mr. Calhoun and his state rights disciplines, that was undoubtedly true. Despite the solid Democratic vote against the resolution, there was still one way that Ashley could save the amendment from the certain congressional death. And that was to take advantage of a House rule that allowed a member to bring a defeated measure up for reconsideration. It, if he intended to change his vote to make use of this rule, however, Ashley had to change his votes before the clerk announced the final tally. He had voted A along with his fellow Republicans. He now had to get into the no column that he did the final vote thus became 93 to 65. Two weeks later, Representative William Steele Holman, Democrat of Indiana, asked Ashley when he planned to call for reconsideration. Ashley told him, uh, not, not now, but maybe after the next election. See what's going on? So remember, Lincoln gets killed. The White House seat is vacant. They waited until this next election to swap out the fraudulent 13th Amendment with its two sections from the original one they voted on with its 20 sections. Wow. The trick, he said, was to find enough men in Hallman's party who were naturally inclined to favor the amendment and strong enough to meet up uh, repel. And remember, why would he uh, how could he sway people to be in favor of this new fraudulent amendment? He would let them know that the one they voted on would strip all of these ex-plantation owners and members of Congress of political power and financial power. Why wouldn't they vote for something to keep slavery going under the guise that they all voted to end it? So you make the villain the hero. Interesting shit. The trick, he said, was to find enough men in Hallman's party who were naturally inclined to favor the amendment and strong enough to meet and repel the fierce partisan attack which were certain to be made upon them. Hallman, Ashley knew, would not be one of them. Although the Indiana, Indiana Democrat had once been a staunch supporter of the war effort, he opposed the destruction of slavery. So how can you be for the war, but you like, <laughs> I'm for slavery. 
Because the motherfucking war was not about slavery. It was about a balance of power. Not only had he just voted against the amendment, he had vehemently denounced it. Hallman, as Ashley viewed him, was thus one of the devil's disciples. He was beyond redemption. And with this in mind, Ashley set about to find at least 11 additional House members who would stand their ground against men like Holman. So all he had to do was find people that would side with him. So before the actual votes were published, he began to sway people to vote for this new fraudulent amendment and tell them the benefits of. Remember, the 13th Amendment was never properly ratified. And this is why Lincoln got the bullet. At emancipation, ain't free nobody. That shit was just a, a mere formality. Because that shit couldn't be enforced without the military. That shit wasn't good as toilet paper. Man, let's get into it. Let's get into it. We not even all the way in the book, man. But I'm, I'm just qualifying a lot of this. And you know what's weird? They had our people fighting the Civil War. And... Many of uh, the so-called melanated people that fought in the Civil War, right? And they say we were fighting for our freedom, but we were fighting to free poor whites from their indentured servitude contracts. This is what they're hiding. They paid many of the soldiers $7 a month. And a lot of us, they they uh, deducted your uniform and all kind of dues from that shit. And then a lot of uh, the soldiers that fought in the Civil War were never compensated. So we fought for the freedom of poor whites. And we still aren't afforded our freedom even still to this day in 2023 they didn't even honor these soldiers that fought let alone paid them a fair fucking wage in fact a lot of the poor whites now how here's how we here's how we expose that these poor white people didn't own your people let me let me qualify something they had something called the new york draft riots right they had something called um the the dues where they were forcing poor whites to fight in the Civil War, right? But you could pay $300 and someone else could go in your place. So if all of these poor whites own your people and they own slaves, as they want, they want you to believe, why did they have the New York City draft riots where the poor whites was burning down the city, burnt down the police station, burnt down the fire department, etc. in New York City? If these poor whites had wealth, right? They had all this money because they owned all these slaves, allegedly. Why didn't they even even have three hundred dollars to dodge the threat? Dodge to excuse me. Why didn't they even have three hundred dollars to dodge the draft? They were mad at some of the so-called black population. <laughs> Let's go into this because many of our people had the money. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So before Black Wall Street, we had Black All Streets, meaning we had districts and districts and towns that were all melanated people, and we were doing for ourselves, had our own businesses, banks, bakeries, etc. Remember what happened to Black Wall Street. One of the biggest acts of terrorism in American history, but it's not deemed as terrorist. A mob of angry so-called whites burnt the entire town down to the ground in 24 hours. None of them were arrested. But you go in the streets protesting, screaming your life's matter, they call you a black extremist. Get the fuck out of here. Let's get into this. The draft, I mean the draft riots, right? New York City draft riots occurred in July of 1863 when the anger of working class New Yorkers, i.e. so-called poor whites, 
New Yorkers over a new federal draft law during the Civil War sparked five days of some of the bloodiest and most destructive rioting in U.S. history. They should make a movie of the New York draft riots alone. Come on, my, my black directors, where y'all at? So-called black directors? That's the type of movies they need to be showing. I don't need to see another fucking slave movie. Niggas giving awards to, to Will Smith for, for playing Emancipation, another fucking slave? Fuck out of here. We're not supporting any actor that takes a role in a slave movie from 2023 moving forward. You niggas, the ops. Big facts. Hundreds of people were killed. Many more seriously injured and black New Yorkers were often the target of the rioters violence. See, they don't tell you about these white terrorists that didn't want to fight for their country. Remember, they, they called um, uh, Martin, excuse me, they called Muhammad Ali a traitor, right? They tried to draft him to fight in the war and he was the motherfucking heavyweight champion of the world. They try to make an example of this brother, but they don't talk about these white deserters that didn't want to fight in the damn civil war. For their own people. And they took it out on our people that were free. That could pay the $300 to say nah I'm not going to war. Because our people had money. See they made us slaves and ex-slaves and poor blacks. After slavery ended. They started to confiscate our motherfucking wealth. Steal our land. Reclassify us. This is why we got to dig into this story and the history of what really happened in this country. We can get out of a place of anger and get into a place of understanding and overstanding so we can take action consciously. We ain't got to take it to no streets for the pen is mightier than the sword. New York City divided pre-Civil War as the business capital of the nation. New York City had not welcomed the onset of the Civil War. Now, remember, everyone keeps looking at Washington, D.C. and you thinking that that's the, the, the seat of power. It's in New York City, right? What do they call New York City? The Empire State. Because New York City is the seat of the empire, the financial hub of the world. I.e., the first stock exchange that was selling human stock is in New York City. Same Fortune 500 companies that were the plantation elite of old is now the Fortune 500 companies trading on the stock market of today. Nothing has changed. Just your consciousness. Cotton was extremely valuable, was an extremely valuable product for New Yorkers merchants. Now, you know how they got the garment district in New York City. How did the garment district benefit in New York City? How did they get the garments, i.e. from the cotton? So they keep saying, well, New York wasn't a slave state. Well, many, much of the cotton from the South was shipped to New York. Connect the dots. New York City's merchants before the Civil War, cotton represented 40% of all the goods shipped out to the city's ports and long after slavery the slavery trade was made illegal in 1808 the city's underground market and enslaved people continued to thrive so they had slavery in new york city nothing's changed see this concept of south with the slaves and north was freedom that was all bullshit this was an institution of profits and who amassed the most profits that's what they were fighting over who had the most votes in congress that's what they were fighting over when the Civil War broke out in 1861, there was even talk of New York City succeeding, uh, seeding in from the Union itself. So entwined were the city's businesses' interests with the Confederate States. See, 
New York said we not fighting in the Civil War because we getting all this money from the South. All of the products that's coming from the South, that's our industry in the North. As the war progressed, New York City's anti-war politicians and newspaper uh, kept warning its working class white citizens, many of them Irish and German immigrants, that, eman that emancipation would mean their replacement in the labor force by thousands of freed enslaved people from the South. See what was taking place? In September 1862, President Abraham Lincoln announced the Emancipation Proclamation, which would take effect early the following year, confirming the workers' worst fear. See, many of the poor whites were against the emancipation because they was pushing, yo, these free free blacks now could go into go under any contract of their choosing, and they would have to be treated fair in these contracts, and we couldn't have sweatshops. Still to this day, they got sweatshops, but they keep telling you all the sweatshops is in China. The fuck out of here. Come to New York City. You'll see a shitload of sweatshops. At the time, Lincoln's decision for emancipation sparked protests among workers in the city, as well as soldiers and officers in the New York regiments who had signed up to the signed up to preserve the Union, not to abolish slavery. See? Many people fought in the war to preserve the Union, not to stop slavery. Facing a dire shortage of manpower, in 1863, Lincoln's government passed a strict new uh, conscription law which made all male citizens between 20 and 35 and all unmarried men between 35 and 45 subject for military duty. Now pay attention to the game. They had something called the 20 law, right? The 20 law was this. And this is how it exempted a lot of the slave owners from fighting in the motherfucking war. So how were they fighting to end slavery when if you had 20 slaves or more, you were exempt from the draft? <laughs> make that make sense, my nigga. You was exempt from the draft if you had slaves, but they were fighting a war to end slavery. Big fucking cat. New federal draft laws sparked unrest. Facing a dire shortage, right? Um, they needed manpower in 1863. They were drafting men from the age of 20 to 45. Uh, though all eligible men were entered into a lottery, they could buy their way out of harm's way by hiring a substitute or paying $300 to the government, which is roughly $5,800 in today's money. At the time, that sum was the yearly salary of the average American worker, making avoiding the draft impossible for all but the wealthiest men see what's going on now it's showing you that it was only this one percent that actually owned any fucking slaves that all the rest of these niggas were poor immigrants perpetrating like this white elite class when they not white white so these niggas took to the streets in new york city and created the new york city draft riots these white terrorists were on the motherfucking loose they didn't want to go to war but all of these so-called whites are telling you that they're patriotic today big fucking cat at the time, that sum was the yearly salary of the average American. Riots over the draft occurred in other cities, including Detroit and Boston, but nowhere as badly as New York. Anti-war newspapers published attacks on the new draft law, fueling the mounting anger of white workers leading up to the city's first draft lottery on July 11th, 1863. Niggas had a draft lottery. For the first 24 hours after the lottery, the city remained suspiciously quiet, but rioting began. 
on the early mornings of Monday, July 13th. Listen to this shit. Thousands of white workers, mainly Irish and Irish Americans, started attacking military government and buildings. So they attacked the military and government buildings, but they weren't white terrorists. Hmm. And became violent only towards people who tried to stop them, including the insufficient number of policemen and soldiers the city's leaders initially mustered to oppose them. In New York City, these uh, mobs of angry whites, they burnt the, the fire department to the ground. They burnt the police station in New York City to the ground. Why isn't it a movie on this shit? But that afternoon, however, they moved on to target black citizens, homes and businesses. So because these poor whites didn't want to go to war to fight for their own fucking people, they burnt black businesses down to the ground. That's not an act of terrorism in this country. Really? In one notorious example, a mob of several thousand people, angry whites, some armed with clubs and bats, stormed the Colored Orphan Asylum on Fifth Avenue near 42nd Street. It's right in the city. A four-story building housing more than 200 children. This is fucked up. A mob of angry whites during the New York City draft riots, they burnt a children asylum. They had black kids in there. They burnt the shit to the ground. Killing the kids in the asylum. No one was arrested for this. This is American history, guys. They took bedding, food, clothing, and other goods and set and set fire to the orphanage, but stopped short of assaulting the children who were forced to go out to one of the city's uh, almshouses. So they didn't kill the kids, allegedly, but many of our black people did die, but they burnt the damn organization down to the ground where these kids were homeless. You burn down a damn orphanage so the kids are homeless times homeless. Riots cause violence and bloodshed. In addition to black people themselves, rioters turned their rage against white abolitionists and women who were married to black men. So they was fucking up their own people. Nigga, you trying to end slavery? We bringing it to you. White dock workers, long opposed to the black men working on the docks alongside them, a demonstration against employees, employers hiring black workers on the docks had turned violent early in 1863, took the opportunity to destroy many of the businesses near the docks they catered, that catered to black workers and attacked their own owners as part of their efforts to erase the black working class from the city. See? See what's going on? All of this, black people on welfare and all that, we was doing for our motherfucking selves all through history. And every time we would get a leg up, these poor whites would envy us and destroy everything we fucking built. And they keep telling you, you niggas want handouts. The fuck out of here. The Freedmen's Bureau gave handouts to poor whites after slavery because it freed poor whites after slavery that were enslaved in motherfucking selves. I love this real history, man, because they're not going to give you this in any school, any college, any institution. Because remember, your oppressor is not going to teach you how to liberate yourself. Oppressor is not going to give you knowledge yourself. I don't give a fuck what elite school, what HSBCU you go to, because all of the HSBCUs are founded by so-called white people. That shit's all a hustle, too. By far, the worst violence was reserved for black men, a number of whom were lynched or beaten to death. Now, we talk about lynching during slavery. We talk about during the fucking Civil War in New York City, they were lynching our people because they didn't want to go to war to fight for their own people. 
And they tricked us to fight to help free their people. And still don't understand why we keep asking about our freedom. But we ain't asking no more. We're going to all get on one accord. And we just going to claim what's ours. By far, the worst violence was reserved for black men, a number of whom were lynched or beaten to death with shocking brutality. In all, the published death toll of the New York City draft riots was 119 people, though estimated that actually a number of people killed reached as high as 1,200. How did the draft riots end? New York leaders struggled with the task of containing the draft riots. Governor Horatio Seymour was a peace Democrat who had openly opposed the draft law and appeared sympathetic to the, to the riot. New York City's Republican mayor, George uh, Opdyke, wired the War Department to send federal troops, but hesitated on declaring martial law in response to the rioting. They had to send federal motherfucking troops to stop these angry whites from destroying New York City during the New York City draft riots. Because these angry whites that are so patriotic today didn't want to fight for their own country. Because <laughs> many of them are immigrants. They're not the true Americans. On July 15th, the third day of the protest, rioting spread to Brooklyn and Staten Island. The following day, the first of more than 4,000 federal troops arrived from New York regiments who had been fighting in the battle against Gettysburg. Wait a minute. They show you all these patriotic movies on the History Channel about the war on Gettysburg and they don't tell you about the war that those fucking troops had to fight in New York City against the angry whites in the draft riots? Nigga, I got my bag of popcorn. I would love to see that movie. After clashing with rioters in what is now the Murray Hill neighborhood, they were fighting over in Murray Hill. Salute to all the people living in Murray Hill, New York City. That's how it got its name. The troops were finally able to restore order, and by midnight of July 16th, the New York City draft riots had come to an end. Listen to this part, aftermath and legacy. In addition to the death toll, the riots had caused millions of dollars in property damage. Angry whites gone wild. And some 3,000 of the city's black residents homeless. They burnt down all our shit. The New York City draft riots remain the deadliest riots in U.S. history, even worse than the 1992 Los Angeles riots and the 1967 Detroit riots. But, but they got movies and documentaries on the, the, the L.A. riots, and, but they don't talk about this riot of these angry whites. I wonder why. Because they got you thinking they're so fucking civilized. Yeah, when the Colored Orphan Asylum attempted to rebuild on the same site after the riots, neighboring property owners protested and the orphanage would eventually be relocated to the sparsely settled area north of the city that would later become Harlem. Ain't that a bitch? So an orphanage that had so-called black children that was attacked during the draft riots by angry whites, burnt to the ground, our people raised money to rebuild the shit, angry whites that burnt it down, protested, these niggas can't bring a, a new location here after we burnt down the first location. Put that shit in Harlem where the niggas at. It's the mindset of these, these whites, so-called whites, because y'all niggas became white by act of legislation. The Naturalization Act of 1790 became white. 
stunned by the riots, the abolition movement in New York City revived itself uh, slowly and in March 1864, less than a year after the draft riots, New York City saw its first all-black volunteer regiment in the Union Army. See, many of our people were so fucking outraged that their businesses were burnt to the ground. Government did nothing about it. They said, fuck it, we're going to fight in this war because we want to end this treatment. But then they tricked us to fight into the war where it would benefit these poor whites even more. So we took up their fight when these motherfuckers was rioting because they didn't want to fight. But they so patriotic. Aye. But despite this meaningful victory, the draft riots would have a devastating impact on the city's black community. While the 1860 census recorded 12,415 black New York New Yorkers, by 1865, the city's population had declined to 9,945. By 1865, the lowest number since 1820. They killed off our people in New York City. They don't want to talk about that. <laughs> right. I bet. I bet. I just had to qualify that particular section. But let's get back to it, shall we? You can't, you can't make this up, you know? You, you can't make this up. And we're almost done. I, I might have to make this a three-part, you know what I'm saying? Because there's so much scholarship I gave up. And I, I didn't even go through most of the book. You know, I just went through uh, certain sections. But I'm telling you guys, add this to your library. On July 25th, the Pathfinder entered St. Louis and found the city in the midst of a guerrilla war. He also received reports indicating that nearly every county in Missouri was in insurrectionary condition, that the enemy was financed by many of the state's bankers, wealthy slaveholders, slave owners, and the Confederate troops were advancing along the southern frontier. They don't talk about the bankers that funded this <laughs> institution of slavery and the Civil War and all this other stuff. But let's close with uh, a portion from uh, Frederick Douglass, right? Black activists complained bitterly to no avail. It was just plain stupid, said Frederick Douglass, to fight the rebels with one hand when both were needed. And it was especially stupid to reject the very class of men who had a deeper interest in the defeat and humiliation of the rebels than all others. The entire policy made no sense whatsoever, argued Douglas. The president, the governors, the Congress, and the generals were all screaming for volunteers. Yet at the same time, they insisted on fighting only with the white hand and allowing the black hand to remain tied. Haven't black men fought with distinction under George Washington during the American Revolution and under Andrew Jackson at the Battle of New Orleans? Why couldn't they now fight under George McLean and Henry Holnick? Men in earnest uh, don't fight with one hand when they might fight with two. And a man drowning would not refuse to be saved even by a colored hand. Agreeing with Douglas, with one of his longtime associates, the wealthiest New York land baron and white abolitionist, Gerrit Smith, in Smith's opinion, however, the exclusion of the blacks wouldn't last unless the war shall be ended very soon. Now, remember, a lot of the, 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 the so-called black people they had fighting the war, they wouldn't give many of them weapons. 
They made them niggas cooks in the kitchen and all kind of corny shit, still servants for so-called poor whites. In fact, the people that they had enlisted, some of the so-called blacks enlisted in the war, their ex-masters were getting paid for their enlistment. $300. And it wasn't until all of these whites started to die off, getting killed during the war by their own people, they needed us to, us to hold down their people. And the only reason they won the war because we enlisted. But as I said, many of the so-called black soldiers were never even fucking compensated for the Civil War. And they fought for a fraudulent fucking promise. Because they never properly ratified the 13th Amendment. They swapped it out with the new fake one that they created that act like it, act like it, it ended the institution of slavery, but it just kept it going. It just changed the name of it. Writings in August of 1861, Shaw deemed it extraordinary that the government was making use of the Confederate slaves. The, the, in, the instructment that would finish the war sooner than anything else. He also looked forward to the day that, the, that they call went out for all blacks in the country to come and enlist in our army. He, like many Boston aristocrats, had his prejudices. He regarded blacks as inferior, childish, a inferior childish race. Yet he also reckoned that they would make fine soldiers and be much easier to discipline than our independent Yankees. At the time, he had no idea that he would end up leading the most famous of all black regiments, the 54th Massachusetts Volunteers. Many of our people volunteered in the fucking war because they were under the guise of this promise that they never made right on. Still to this day in 2023. Black and white abolitionists also complained bitterly that the Confederacy wasn't following the same rules. Only the North was fighting a white man's war. The Confederacy was not, wrote Frederick Douglass in September 1861. It is now pretty well established that there are, at the present moment, many colored men in the Confederacy Army. The Confederacy Army, doing duty not only as cooks, servants, and laborers, but as real soldiers, having muskets on their shoulders and bullets in their pockets, ready to shoot down loyal troops, and do all that soldiers may do to destroy the federal government and build up the traitors and rebels that the government and that the Negroes and numerous in the rebel army and do for that army its heaviest work is beyond question and they said they had our people fighting on both sides of the war now we got more niggas fighting in the south the south's gonna win we got more niggas fighting in the north the north's gonna win so the only way the war was won it was because it was an outpour of our people enlisting but remember they were fighting a war under a fake promise at the time Three Confederate states had already accepted black soldiers. In June 1861, the Tennessee uh, legislature passed an act to receive into military service of the state all male free persons of color between the ages of 15 and 50. In Mobile, free blacks were able, were also authorized to organize. In New Orleans, free blacks were permitted to organize two regiments called the Native Guards. Native Guards. They also, they soon had 1,400 members. The government Thomas O. Moore formally accepted one of the two regiments into Louisiana State Militia, appointed a white uh, colonel, Henry Zilla. They had white colonels over our militias. When if we unified and just fought for ourselves, we all could collectively fight for our own freedom. And we wouldn't even need to fight their bullshit war. Because how we, how we fought in all that wars and they still got a war on us. 
Bars. I'm going to leave it there. I encourage everyone to add this book to your library, man. Powerful scholarship. Salute to everyone checking out the podcast. If you want to uh, support the, prog- the podcast, you can send a monetary donation to my cash app, dollar sign, far out flow, F-A-R-O-U-T-F-L-O-W. I am your host, J.F. Bay. This is the Third Eye High podcast. We deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. And I'm your host, J.F. Bay. I'm just here to shine my, way- shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit. And this is the book report series. And this was the book, Who Freed the Slaves? The Fight Over the 13th Amendment by Leonard R. Richards. Peace.